Yoda, the Jedi Master for over 800 years. He was featured in time, life, people. There was talk of making him president. Yoda, a prophet with whimsical ears and words of wisdom. Wars not make one great. He won the hearts of the world. In the Empire Strikes Back, his deeds prove the power of the Force is fact. Now, even Fortune says the success story that began with Star Wars is no fairy tale. To date, Star Wars has grossed $450 million worldwide. And with seven chapters to come, the saga continues for the Empire, for Kenner, and for you. In 1981, we're taking Yoda's advice to Luke. Try not, do. We're listening and learning from his lessons, too. But Kenner's motto is outdo, outdo. More products, more commercials, more support and stellar excitement than the galaxy can handle. Armed with Yoda's wisdom and a true Jedi's commitment, we're taking the leap into hyper-sales and profits for you. Not even the Dark Lord Vader's sinister schemes will thwart the Kenner team. Our alliance will prevail. Star Wars is forever. Star Wars fans and Move Milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 214 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. This week, we are talking about the epic continues. The Star Wars action figure line that almost was. The Kenner version of episode 7 <laughs> that almost was. Yeah, it's kind of nice in between... Quest of the Jedi and this kind of seeing alternate Star Wars sequels where Star Wars could have gone under the direction of someone other than Lucasfilm or George Lucas. Well, and even before Quest of the Jedi, we did the the Art of Rise of Skywalker, which had a lot of where that could have gone. And I don't know, Quest of the Jedi is pretty great, but this Kenner version could be my favorite. Well, it's it's fun to go back to this stuff now after the sequel trilogy's done, because some of it is not too far off of what they ended up doing in a way. It's true. It's really true. And some of what they were planning to do in this this epic continues toy line that never happened, 
at least one thing I can think of off the top of my head actually showed up in a movie. Yeah. Well, and the other things are are close to things that showed up in the movie. So it's the whole the whole thing, like we always say in the art books, like it doesn't matter where it comes from. Once there's a Star Wars design on paper somewhere, it lives forever and may come back to help you or haunt you in the future. Paper in Star Wars, it's like the Force Ghosts. That's why you don't see a lot of it. It's special. <laughs> it lasts forever in the in a galaxy far, far away. So the story of Star Wars toys and the the creation of the, the the original Star Wars toy line is just about as legendary and mythic as the the making of the at least the first film or the original trilogy. There's there's stories told around campfires of legend and tall tales of the creation of Star Wars action figures. And everybody knows that Kenner, back in the 80s, had an absolutely epic run with Star Wars toys that began in 1977. And everyone knows how Star Wars was passed over by all the big toy companies. And it went on to become probably the most influential and one of the most successful toy lines of all time. Probably definitely the biggest licensed toy line of all time. And for so many of us, not even like people that grew up with the original trilogy, like all generations of fans, so many of these toys very early on defined your fandom and were your first step into the larger world. So the the great thing with Star Wars toys is if you love the movies and you had these action figures and you had these vehicles, it encouraged you to cr- come up with your own stories in the Star Wars universe, which allowed fans to connect with these movies and these stories in a way that like nothing else before that really ever did. Yeah, because it's a totally different thing to to hold something in your hand and touch something that you that you was only that only your eyes saw days before, and now you wake up every morning and you can see this thing and touch it and play with it and put it in your bag and bring it to your friends and create your own like adventures with Luke and Han and Leia and R2 and 3PO and hammerheads and Greedos and Snaggletooths. And these were your, you know, you were your own George Lucas creating your own sequels to star Wars in your bedroom or your basement or in a sandbox or whatever. We're going to Tatooine. And for me, like it, I had figures before I even saw the first movie, I, I know I've told the story on the show before, but it was my, my sister went to a birthday party and God, I think it was probably like 78 or 79. And she, at this birthday party, got an R2-D2 action figure. I think it was like a Star Wars themed birthday party. And she didn't care about it. And she went home and she gave it to like very small me. And when you turn his head, you know, the original R2 figure, it clicked and I loved it, and I carried it everywhere, and I still have that R2 figure. And because I loved this little R2-D2 figure, that's why my mom thought, well, maybe I should take him to go see the movie. And here we are today. <laughs> that's, that's what happens. <laughs> but what, what, was your, what was your introduction to Star Wars with action figures? Yeah, I would think I've talked about it before, too. It's the same thing. I had a little, I had the R2-D2, and I, I've had it my entire life. Like, I don't know when I didn't have it. So I got it at some point when I was 
too little to remember getting it. And I still have mine as well. It's like the first one's free kid. (laughs) (laughs) It just showed up in my crib or something. And now, yeah, all these years later, it's what happens. So be careful with R2-D2s and children. For so many people out there, there's, it was a BB-8 that they got within the past 10 years or figures from the Clone Wars. Or there's probably somebody out there who got a Rick Oley figure in 1999 or a, or a Qui-Gon or an Obi-Wan or something in some Comtech chips or something. Well, and now people are going to get Baby Yodas in their stockings and, and there's going to be kids who have this little toy and don't know what it's from. And years later, they'll turn on Disney Plus and get sucked into this whole crazy Star Wars thing. Yeah, because now at this point, as everyone knows, we have generations. We have parents and even grandparents who knew how special Star Wars was to them when they were kids and want to have it be a part of their kids' lives or their grandkids or their nieces or nephews or whatever. And so much of that is just connected to these action figures because for so many people those warm and fuzzy feelings that (laughs) can cause a lot of good and a lot of trouble sometimes with star Wars fans are directly connected to these action figures. It's, it's a symbiotic relationship. Star Wars has been very good to Kenner, which makes most of the toys and the figures. 40 million units sold in 78, the same number in 79. And with the new movie coming out, this year should be even better. It's enough to make your head spin. Some people would have assumed that uh, the Star Wars toys was a, a faddish thing like the hula hoop or so forth that would be here today and gone tomorrow. That hasn't been the case. No, not at all. Star Wars, in fact, has become almost a staple category. Uh, and as long as they continue to make the movies over the next 20 to 25 years, uh, we envision it being a staple category. So Kenner had this license and they made toys course through star wars and the emperor strikes back and return the jedi and it was a it was a great thing going on because every two years was a completely new toy line and at some point they probably thought this could possibly keep going every two years and with the promise of six more films after return of the jedi they're like this is just this is going to keep going forever we're going to be good for the next 12 years or more with nonstop Star Wars toys. Yeah. Well, no, it'd be 18 years. Remember, they were every three years back then. Oh, so spoiled. <laughs> I know, right? Next two, yeah. Next eight, yeah. almost 20 years <laughs> of nonstop Star Wars toys. Probably that's what they were thinking. They were like, we, this is great. This is going to go forever. And then after Return of the Jedi, George Lucas stopped it. I'm tired. I don't want to do it anymore. He was burned out. He was divorced. He just needed a break. Like in interviews around that time, I think he was saying he didn't know if he was ever going to make more Star Wars movies. Probably not. Sick of it. Too focused on uh, on everything had to be about death. Unless these toys are about death, I don't want to make them. <laughs> if you can make a playset about people taking children. <laughs> so what? So what does Kenner do? They've had one of the most successful, influential toy lines of all time. We're not really going to make more movies anytime in the near future. What do we do? We're going to come up 
with our own story. If there's no new movie, no new story, we're going to make one up. So before we go any further, we've got to give a shout out to Steve Sansweet's article from Star Wars Galaxy Magazine number two from 1995, where I think when Sansweet wrote this article in 95, I think this was the first time anyone had ever heard about this crazy Kenner idea of their own Star Wars episode seven. I remember when this article came out and I didn't even believe it while I was reading it. I think like I got a nosebleed while I was reading it. <laughs> you had to buy the, the magazine twice because the first one was just covered in blood. Well, and seriously, like I remember reading about this again later and it was like, I thought I dreamed that. Like somewhere in my head, I had that this article filed away as under like the file cabinet, amazing things in my brain. But it's like, it couldn't have been real. It had to have been a dream. Well, it it does feel like something that you like had a dream one night where, oh man, I had a dream I saw another Star Wars movie. It was crazy. <laughs> it made no sense, but it was kind of awesome. <laughs> so it's a year before the West End Games, like kind of expansion of the Star Wars universe happened. It was many years before the Tom Veitch and Cam Kennedy Dark Empire series that kind of expanded the story. And also years, of course, before Timothy Zahn did that with his books. And Kenner, before this, had already started to kind of play around with the idea of making up their own stuff because they had done the mini rigs, introducing things, Star Wars-y looking things that weren't necessarily in the movies, but looked like they could have been in the movies. And I had forgotten they even did that very early on with the troop transport. Yes, you're right. Which is now a real thing that's been in animated form and live action and turned into a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, turned back into a toy. And I wouldn't be surprised if like some of their mini rigs they came out with around Empire Strikes Back and Jedi would show up in an animated thing or on Mandalorian yeah. or something. I swear one has been in was in Clone Wars or Rebels at some point. Or I, or I was dreaming that, too. <laughs> it's, the pr- it's the problem of having too many Star Wars dreams. Maybe one day we'll do an episode on our Star Wars dreams. <laughs> if we're quarantined for, for many more months, eventually, Star Wars dreams. Come with us on our dream journal. <laughs> start, start writing it now. <laughs> so, enter Mark Bordeaux. I am a toy designer. I love toys. It's more than just a job. I'm probably best known for working on Star Wars. I first started back in 1977, and that's right when we had received the Star Wars license. You had this film that everybody kind of passed on. We say kind of like, oh, for $50 in a handshake, we got the Star Wars license. Now, you may have heard his name before Mark Bordeaux, because just last month, actually, he retired from working at Hasbro after a historical run that began in Kenner in the 70s, where he was the senior principal designer on Star Wars toys. At Kenner, later in Hasbro, he worked on the Star Wars line from A New Hope all the way to Episode Nine. He designed the Kenner Millennium Falcon along with Jim Swearingen 
and Jack Farah. And Bordeaux designed the incredible, beautiful Microworld collection. That was Mark Bordeaux's baby, and for that we are forever in his debt. Yeah, that was a good, that was a good set. Oh, I love those Microworld collection. And his face appeared as a Endor Rebel soldier figure, a Rebel blockade runner, trooper, and an ATST pilot. But just that he was around from the beginning all the way through now and just retired last month is that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's a pretty good a pretty good run. Doesn't get much better than that for a toy designer creator person. So Mark and his team would often like kit bash existing like Star Wars ships. And kind of make new ships out of it. Like the, the, I think in Sansweet's article, they were talking about how, wasn't it, they would take like the wings off an X Wing and put different kind of wings on it and see what other things they could get by mixing and matching other existing Star Wars toys. Which is a great way to do it too, because it's like that's how they built the real Star Wars stuff for the models in the movies. So the fact that they're doing the similar techniques with the toys almost in a way, makes them feel still Star Wars-y, because that's kind of how the real Star Wars stuff was was put together. So they're doing that, and they start to come up with these new designs, and these, the idea comes up where it's like, well, like we said, instead of waiting for George Lucas to ever come out with a new Star Wars movie, we can keep this thing going, and we can make our own Star Wars stuff. And they come up with this grand idea that they title The Epic Continues, which the, the best name I can ever think of for a new film. I hope whenever the next theatrical film comes out, I hope it's called Star Wars The Epic Continues. I'm ready. I'd be like, this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen. So here's the basic story of The Epic Continues. And this is a present that there's a whole presentation that they brought before Lucasfilm. A powerful force, long kept in exile in a remote fringe of the galaxy, has been released by the death of the Emperor. Okay. It moves now like a plague, securing control over the shattered remnants of the Empire and re-enslaving newly freed worlds. Atha Prime, genetics master, ruler of the Dark Worlds and architect of the Clone Wars, is free again. His advanced army of combat clones has already decimated rebel, rebel outposts along the galactic frontier. His goal is to crush the Rebel Alliance and control the galaxy. I'm actually, the more I think about that storyline, I'm kind of into it. Because <laughs> I, I like the idea that the, 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 the reason the new villain exists was almost like, Palpatine, even though he was evil, there were things that even Palpatine didn't want to deal with. And it was like he used his power to keep this other horrible thing at bay so he didn't have to deal with it. And unintentionally, by killing Palpatine, you released this other evil thing. I swear, in the lead up to The Force Awakens, that that was somebody's rumor going around. <laughs> that it was like the thing that was more evil than Palpatine. And Palpatine was just the step 
until you get to the thing that was worse yeah. than him. Well, it, I mean, at Force Awakens time, it kind of fits. It's like, well, what, there's Snoke. Maybe where was Snoke before? Maybe he was in the unknown regions and, and he was scared of Palpatine or something. Like it, it's kind of you could say that that's what happened with the the First Order and Force Awakens too. Because the other part of this story too, right, is that for the toys that Tarkin somehow survived the destruction of the Death Star and Tarkin's back taking control of the the Empire. Tarkin somehow survived. And it is. It's like, well, wait a second. So Tarkin's back and the Empire's back. That's like the First Order. There's this new evil from the the outer realms of the galaxy. And that's like Atha Prime is like Snoke. It's it's kind of it's kind of like Force Awakens a little bit. Well, and he's the genetics master, ruler of the dark worlds, the dark worlds, the unknown region. If it's you know that's like it's out there beyond the known galaxy, and he's the architect of the Clone Wars. It's a little bit of the prequels, it's a little bit of the sequels. <laughs> Yeah, now, you know, all these years later, it's like, man, that's, maybe they were onto something here. Yeah, I'm kind of cool with this whole thing. It's, you read that, and especially nowadays, you read that and you're like, that works. Yeah. Well, and hey, you know, that works for episode 10. Palpatine's dead again. So, at the prime, can still come back. Palpatine's really dead. His clone is dead. Palpatine's really dead. And I think, like, all of Exegol blew up or something. Yeah. We're ready for let's bring in Atha Prime. Make hey, Atha Prime wasn't still the architect of the Clone Wars. Who cares? Why not? The Kaminoans had to learn it from somebody. There you go. Who taught the Kaminos? <laughs> Tark, Tarkin could still be alive too. We got digital Tarkin. You just need to like press click enter. It's never too late for Cyborg Tarkin. <laughs> Throw a couple spider arms on him, and we get all of our favorites. So the design of this guy Atha Prime is based on a Nilo uh, Royal Guard design, which is funny because then that later showed up in the Dark Empire comic. And then they made a figure based on the Dark Empire comic. So then in 1998, eventually there was an Prime figure from a certain point of view. And there was going to be all the heroes were going to be back, Han Solo. There's all this amazing art that if you search Star Wars The Epic Continues on Google and you look at some of the images, they made art for everything, except Tarkin, unfortunately. <laughs> I guess during their presentation for Lucasfilm, it was just a still picture of Peter Cushing. But what they had for Han's figure, I think they say in the description for Han, like an outfit more befitting for his new hero status. And he's kind of got like all these medals and he's kind of in a more like heroic gear. Well, it almost, it says Han in clothing somewhat more befitting a person of his newly acquired stature. And he's wearing a puffy pirate shirt <laughs> with a, a, like a conquistador chrome ch- chest plate of armor and then like a rainbow necklace with like a pendant on it. And he has a turtleneck under that. So he's looking pretty smooth. Befitting of his new status. Yeah. It's like Senator Han Solo. I would give anything for mid-80s Harrison Ford in a puffy pirate shirt. (laughs) And and just chest plate armor. What does everybody think about my new shirt? Yeah, and then the design for Luke is just as as wonderful. He's wearing some sort of padded lightsaber training armor, which is kind of like coppery colored. And he's got like a pastel blue dress shirt under that. 
and like a purple pink lightsaber. Yeah, I I noticed that too. Maybe, why not? It's a training saber, maybe. Oh, so it's made it's made out of bubble gum, so you don't hurt anybody. And cotton candy. They don't go too much in detail of what their plans were for the the heroes, and there, there, unfortunately, there's no Leia figure at all, or like Lando or anything. They weren't ready for that. That was probably Wave Two of the Epic Continues line. But I like kind of what they're insinuating that Han now has got a more heroic role in the New Republic, and Luke is training to be more of a Jedi Knight. And I'm into all of it. I'm like, this sounds great. Let's do it. But the real star. <laughs> One of the real stars of this line is the new alien buddy that they introduced, right? The uh, Mongo Beefhead Tribesman? Mongo Beefhead is his name. Mongo Beefhead. And he's a tribesman. He's a friendly native from a nearly extinct tribe on from Tatooine. And Mongo Beefhead Tribesman is also one of my favorite Ted Nugent songs, I think. <laughs> but he looks surprisingly close to the Aki Aki from Rise of Skywalker. Oh my God, he does. So if you kind of squint and turn your head upside down, but he's in the ballpark. So to make the Mongo Beefhead figure, he's a, a Corrin, a, a squid face. Literally, with the figure's head popped off and turned so that the the squid things are going straight up in the air. And the great thing about Mongo Beefhead's face is it's the little peg that would go into the figure's body is his face. Yeah. And then he has like two eyes on his chin. (laughs) He looks good. And come on. They should have just, with a name like Mongo Beefhead, they should have let... Hasbro name all the characters in anything Star Wars going forward. It's a recipe to print money. You got Mong, their new friendly buddy Mongo Beefhead from Tatooine. It's a whole other tribe from Tatooine. We had Jawas. We had Sand People. We've never heard about the Beefheads. We don't even know what the name of the tribe is. We just know his name is Mongo Beefhead. Or are they the Mongo Beefhead tribe and his name's like Bart? We don't know. Yeah, they never got that far. We can imagine that we might go back to Tatooine, maybe in Mandalorian Season 2. The Kenobi show, you know it's got to be some some Tatooine action. It's not too late for Mongo Beefhead. We know Dave Filoni's got some Mongo Beefhead going on. You know he knows about it. He's probably got a Mongo Beefhead tattoo that no one can see. Whenever they have, like, potluck day, he makes his Mongo Beefhead stew that everybody loves i made it for everybody (laughs) it's got a big wooden spoon a little cup of mongo beef head for you (laughs) he's got hammerhead arms he's got a four lom chest well and it's funny too with that it is it it is a truly star wars way to design because it's almost like in the special edition when they added the new alien to the cantina and they use the front of his mask and the back of his mask as a different character. So here they're using the bottom of an action figure head as the new front of a different alien's head. Well, and we talked to Spina enough times 
half those masks in the cantina was just stuff Rick Baker had on his shelf back home in California. And they just threw a hood on it and said, good enough. It's a Star Wars alien now. It's like Rick Baker's Frankenstein head that he made. Yep. Mongo Beefhead is more Star Wars than Star Wars. And I don't think we're done with Mongo Beefhead. No, I think we got to be on the lookout for some... uh... There's some Mongo Beefhead in all of our futures, I'm sure. There is a whole bunch of Atha Prime's uh, troops, the Clone Warriors, and their description for the Clone Warriors is these beings designed especially for fighting are genetically manufactured by Atha Prime and serve as his elite shock troopers. When they kind of look like Cylons from Battlestar Galactica, but with a beard coming out of the bottom <laughs> of their helmet or something. And they have like a cool red like cape on or on half of them, like a side cape. Some cool looking guys. Do you think that's a beard or is it just like a weird mesh thing coming out of their face? I think it's like a weird mesh thing. But they didn't look too different from me from like, what was it in uh, the expanded universe? Like the shock troopers, those big beefy troopers. And the cape was almost kind of Captain Phasma-ish to me. Like the whole idea of a stormtrooper with a cape is forever cool. You're right. They are very cap because they're chrome too. So they do. Yeah, they're actually like very Captain Phasma-y. Kenner was going to put out like a whole bunch of droids. There's a whole bunch of crazy like attack droids that they were going to come out with. Which nowadays we just take like attack droids and battle droids just for granted. Because there have been different classes and different levels of them. But here... Here we have a 1984 Kenner being like, you know, the architect of the Clone Wars. And hey, how about some attack droids? Yeah, and they're pretty much just droids with with guns and missiles stuck on them. But they, I mean, they look like something out of a Star Wars comic book. So they're really not that out of place. In the concept art, there's that concept of uh, the droid, was it called Blue Four? It was like supposed to be some sort of pilot. It was like Atha Prime's pilot for his ship or something like that. Yeah, and that almost the body of that is pretty much the same as the ASP droid from the Star Wars Special Edition that was added with the like hole in its chest where it's kind of just like a more of like an exoskeleton kind of shape. Well, and it, it gave me some L337 vibes. And it also kind of reminded me of what was it, two Clone Wars episodes ago? There was those cool droids that were unloading things from a ship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were pretty ahead of their time, giving us these cool battle droids, basically. And they had a whole line of vehicles. There were t- oh my God, there were so many vehicles that they were going to make. There was, there was like a new X-Wing. Well, the X-Wing is crazy because, one, it's painted black, which obviously wasn't a that bad of an idea because force awakens did that and then it's also it had a double cockpit so it's very much the x-wing type ship from revenge of the sith the arc fighter the toy i mean they had a toy that was basically very similar to that in this line so again a lot of this stuff as far out as it maybe seems at the time or you're even just glancing at it a lot of the kind of core designs ended up appearing in actual Star Wars films later on. Well, and probably the biggest one, the craziest one, there was the Millennium Falcon cargo handler, which was this little pod that fit in between the two things in the front of the Millennium Falcon 
and was like a little like escaped thing, little mini ship that could get added on to your existing Falcon toy. Which then I remember when Solo came out and the Falcon had that in the middle. And then I remember yeah, when Solo came out, there were a lot of people who were like, yeah, Kenner almost made a toy of that. Don't they admit being ex- inspired by the toy in, in like the art book or something? I swear there's a line where they said they were in, inspired by that toy that didn't come out. In the Art of Solo book, there is a picture on page 163 where the artists were talking about how they didn't know how to even touch the, the Holy Millennium Falcon. And I think it's Neil Klein saying uh, that he got sent a Joe Johnston drawing that he'd never seen before, where it was the Falcon, a Joe Johnston drawing of the Falcon, with basically the Kenner cargo handler on the front. And so when they were going into Solo, they were just like, well, if Joe Johnson drew it back in the 70s, I guess we've got the green light to do it in the Solo movie. At that point, then, the the Hasbro people must have, maybe they saw that concept? Or was it just two different people? Everyone's always been intrigued by the the crotch in the front of the Falcon. Like, why why is there this gap up there? And especially with the toy, because there was like, the toy had so much cool detail all, all over the whole ship. And then in that gap in the front was just like smooth plastic. So it just looked like something was supposed to go there. But that's crazy then if it was actually from that Joe Johnson drawing. Get out your Art of Solo books. Take a look. It's it's all right there. That would have been a really cool toy forever. That would have been a cool toy at any time. I mean, I guess eventually they made it for the Solo toy line. So, you know, just like the Atha Prime figure eventually getting made when they made those Legends figures. Eventually it did get made <laughs> many years later. And it's also very similar to... The ghost in Rebels, where they had their little shuttle that that tucked into the back, the Phantom. There was a giant toy uh, base, the the Annihilator, like a big Star Destroyer set for Prime and his Clone Warriors. That one's ridiculous because it's basically a Star Destroyer that landed on top of another Star Destroyer and they got stuck together and they just decided that well, we'll just leave them that way because it's too hard to get them unstuck. It's just, That design is really weird, which is only in, I think, in concept form. I don't think they actually did a... Because there was no Star Destroyer toy back then other than the little die-cast one, I think, right? Well, there was like that Vader Star Destroyer thing that like was supposed to attach on a kid's arm. And it had like Vader's meditation chamber in it. Yeah, but there wasn't actually like a ship version remember in the 90s they made those ships and i remember freaking out every time i saw it at the store because they finally had like a star destroyer but i never bought them anyway (laughs) well those ships were always weird because they made that in the blockade runner but it was a picture from the movie on the outside of the box and it was always really expensive i remember being with you at stores and we were like it's like 50 bucks what if we get it home and it's stupid? Right. You're right. I was like, I don't know what this looks like. It could be blue or something weird. <laughs> there was like a hole where you could press the buttons to hear the sounds. And we'd put the box up to our eyes and try and I'm trying to see what it looks like inside. It's too dark. I can't see it. So, But the other thing that went with the Annihilator was the Apex Invader, which was Atha's personal shuttle. And that 
concept is pretty cool. And it's actually because it's it was supposed to, I think, land on top of the Annihilator Star Destroyer, and it almost looks like uh, Grievous's little cockpit on top of his ship, where it's like a long tower with a little cockpit on top. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of prequel era kind of designs, which you got to wonder with some of those artists, did, you know, they probably had this issue. I'm sure Dave Filoni had this issue. You know Dave Filoni had this. He was reading Star Wars Galaxy. He, he was waiting by the mailbox for it every month. There were all kinds of land speeders they were making. They were going to make a, the the airspeeder like Luke is playing with in the garage. There was a big, crazy AT-AT version called the ATIC, which was like this AT-AT walker with a giant ion cannon in the back. Well, that one's crazy because it's almost like when you see pictures uh, like from the Middle East where they just like take a Toyota pickup truck and put an anti-aircraft gun in the back. It's very much that kind of feel, which is kind of cool. It doesn't seem very Empire, but it, I mean, it almost seems, I guess it's kind of like in Rebels when, the, when Rex and his buddies were living in their ATTE and they had it all modified for fishing and that sort of thing. Like it almost seems like it would be stormtroopers that were stranded somewhere and they like modified their ad at which is kind of a cool kind of a cool thing it to me didn't seem out of place as something that we would have seen in the sequel trilogy that at the first order was like we're just gonna take the old empire tech of an ad at and put a giant ion cannon in the back it probably would have been a death star laser on the back of the <laughs> on the of the ad at but well and now that you say that i mean the the last jedi ones the gorilla ones did have a big like cannon on their back which so again, all these kind of ideas end up percolating back through concept art and, and end up in a, a different form, but a similar idea in one of the films. And there was going to be a giant playset, this giant imperial outpost playset, which there there's concept art for, but n- n- I don't think it ever got made. But it was going to have a gun tower from the Death Star, a landing platform, and bunker from the Return of the Jedi Endor set. And it sounds like it was going to be huge. And I, when I was reading this, I was thinking about it, and I want to say the biggest playset—I don't know—was it that was it that Endor playset from Return of the Jedi? Because around that time in '84, '85, that's when GI Joe was starting to take off, and GI Joe was all about like the headquarters, and <laughs> there was the big playsets. Yeah, Star Wars never really got one of those. Yeah, I would think the Ewok Village was probably the biggest thing. And looking at the design of this, the drawing, like, yeah, if they would have really made this, this would have been like, it's like the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Like, this would have been legendary, and you maybe would have known one kid who had a friend, who had a cousin, that the kid who lived across the street had it. And then there would be stories told around campfires about that thing because it if it was to scale with the ad toy that would have been incredible just to have a giant death star cannon and the radar dish from return of the jedi and they were going to make a bantha they were finally going to make a bantha probably for mongo beef had to ride on tatooine or something maybe the bantha is for tarkin <laughs> he needs a noble steed to ride into battle <laughs> i'm going to ride this to edu so they take all this they take this big presentation to lucasfilm they presented it 
Uh, I think I think it says in the in Sansweet's article alongside their plans for the, the the droids and Ewoks cartoons that were already in the works. And according to Mark Bordeaux in the article, I believe he he was saying that he was hoping hoping that their presentation could inspire Lucasfilm to create a third animated series based on this toy line. I know people get all bent out of shape about canon, and if that would have happened, there would have been people like, Alpha Prime, you know, but that would have been so cool. (laughs) Well, especially because it seems like as much as we can enjoy the Ewoks cartoons and the droids cartoons now, neither of them really had the action and the adventure of a of the Star Wars movies to get kids really pumped up every week and this show potentially would have been more of an animated Star Wars movie if it was just a He-Man cartoon or a G.I. Joe cartoon but with Star Wars characters I think it probably would have been the most successful of the three cartoons when I just heard the idea that they were hoping that this could have become like a mid eighties star Wars cartoon and kind of in, in your head knowing what that would have looked like and felt like and been like, it would have been the greatest thing of all time. (laughs) Even if it was horrible, it would have been the greatest thing of all time. And we would still be watching it to this day. I'm sure it would be on Disney plus in super HD. There would have been 3d re-releases of it. I would have a (laughs) t-shirt Obviously, it didn't happen because they presented it to Lucasfilm. And uh, as Mark Bordeaux said in 1995, they were very complimentary. They said the new characters' vehicles were all very Star Wars-esque. And they said they really appreciated the fact that they wanted to keep this whole thing going, but Lucasfilm just was not ready to pursue this kind of thing at that time. In 1986... Kenner's Star Wars line finally came to an end. There was the last issue of the Marvel Star Wars comic, and three years after Return of the Jedi, Star Wars just kind of faded away, except for Star Tours out, out in Anaheim. There just wasn't much going on. But you've got to wonder through all this, if this line did happen, let's say, if there were these figures, or maybe even there was a cartoon based on the figures, which was a very 80s thing. Like, what would have happened? Like, where where would Star Wars be today? We know where we would be. We already made that pretty clear. But how would it have affected things? Would Star Wars have even, would it have gone into the dark times in the, those mid-80s before we even got to the, the Timothy Zahn books? Would the Timothy Zahn books and all that stuff and Dark Empire, would that have even happened? Because Star Wars start, started to, around that time, become less kiddie. And be, kind of become more serious and grown up. And that was kind of the shock of the prequels then. Where it's like, oh, this part of the kids, people. Yeah, it's kind of wild to think about what it would have been like. That there would have been, there would have still been toys. There would have been new, younger kids who were getting, I mean, it would be like when Clone Wars came out, really, potentially. Where there would be kids who were into the toys and into this cartoon who hadn't seen the movies. And what would that have done to the desire for new movies? Would we have gotten the prequel still? Probably. Or would Lucas be like, ah, these these Hasbro people are making Star Wars stuff. I don't have to worry about it. What if Lucas was like, hey, 
if you're going to do this, kind of like Clone Wars. I mean, Clone Wars was was his baby, but he, I think it was said at some point that he was more involved in the day-to-day of telling the Clone Wars stories than maybe he originally planned to be, just because we all know <laughs> he just can't step away as much as he wants to. I wonder if if he was in the right mood when they did that presentation, if he was even there, who knows. But if he would have been like, instead of Atha Prime, he's got to be Fatha Prime. You know, like, you know, I want to have a story where there's a wacky droid or something. If he injected a little bit of Lucas into it and kind of helped it along a little bit. Yeah, or been motivated to get more into animation at that point. And could we have gotten the Lucas animation collaboration of Clone Wars in 1986 <laughs> instead of 2006. Well, and, you know, there's the droids in the U.S. cartoons, and the droids cartoon had Ben Burt all over it, the great heap, written by Ben Burt. And it's interesting that they were like, yes, droids and Ewoks cartoons, no to continuing the story of Luke and Han and Leia and the heroes and... Atha Prime and all this crazy Clone Wars stuff. I mean, they could have really easily said, okay, you can do it, but no clones. But maybe that, you know, speaks to Lucas's exhaustion with everything at that point that he just didn't didn't want to think about that part of Star Wars because he wouldn't be able to just let someone else do it. He wasn't ready to step back, but he also wasn't ready to put the effort in to deal with it. So... You know, yeah, it's a it's a crazy what if to think about. Well, and I couldn't help thinking too. Where are these? Because there there's pictures of some of the mock-ups of the, some of the figures that they made. Does Sansweet have them? Does Sansweet have the original art? <laughs> yeah, because there's a we forgot to talk about the orange snow speeder, which looks like something out of Rise of Skywalker. What could have been? Where is it now? The paper never gets thrown away. Could it ever be again? Who knows? We have, we did get. An Atha Prime figure, essentially, in 98. We got, from a certain point of view, the the Falcon, little escape pod in the front. Who knows? We got a lot of Star Wars to go, and uh, the epic continues. <laughs> Could continue in ways we don't even know yet. They were smart to call it the epic continues because it does continue, whether they intended it to continue or not. an overall idea of how you see the Star Wars product line compared to the uh, other toys from the Barbie doll to bicycles uh, where it fits? Well, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's replaced the category of, uh, it's, an, it's an action toy, it's uh, a unisex toy, if you will, a category, and uh, it's a staple as a category. There's no individual item that would be a staple, so to speak, because you're going to find that uh, with the changing of the sequence of the movies, there's going to be new characters introduced, and these, these other characters will eventually die out, so it'll be the Star Wars theme carried through. Uh, I, don't even, I don't think anybody knows exactly what kind of product we're going to be looking at in six, seven, eight, ten years in Star Wars, but there certainly will be new characters at that time. And you imagine there'll still be Star Wars on the shelf if he keeps putting out this Oh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be Star Wars mer- uh, merchandise around for at least another 25 or 30 years. Okay. And we first, as we just were discussing a second, have you guys seen the commercials for the new Star Wars stuff? Yes. Do you think that's going to be on your Christmas list? Yeah. 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 What have you got? You got some toys already? Star Wars toys already? Yes. Yeah. We, we have the land speeder. We have some of the men. We 
Yeah. You have Princess Leia? Yeah. You do? What do you got? Darth Vader. Okay, what do you think you're going to... Are you going to go see the new movie? Yeah. yeah. Even if they're real long lines? Yeah, even yeah. if they're real long lines. You're going to make Mom and Dad go too? Yes. Yeah. And then for Christmas, uh, what do you think you want to get out of for Christmas? Do you have any ideas yet? No, not really. See the movie first? Yeah. yeah. associate and me to present the Star Wars collection. Truly remarkable toys and games for your children. What are you so excited about now? My goodness, the Star Wars TIE Fighter and X-Wing fight. Now your children can relive our great space battles or collect our wonderful Star Wars companions with Kenner's Star Wars action figures. R2, it's a little you. Kenner's new radio-controlled R2-D2 anyone can command. Ah, the Star Wars land speeder that moves like it's floating. And here's Kenner's Death Star space station. Four floors of action. A trash compactor, too. Listen, R2. That's the Star Wars electronic laser battle. A game of speed, reflex, and reaction. These and other toys and games in Kenner's Star Wars collection are sold separately. Batteries are not included. May the force be with you and your children. All right, so iTunes reviews. It's been a little bit. Let's get caught up. We've got some that we've got to read here from folks. What's our first one? Our first review is Celebrate the Love with Blast Points by JJ Sack 20. I've been a listener for quite a while, and I always get a big smile on my face when a new episode pops up on my feed. Jason and Gabe host one of the most eclectic and passionate Star Wars podcasts out there. Their knowledge of Star Wars and their use of old audio clips from commercials and so forth make Blast Points a joy to listen to. Do yourself a favor and celebrate the love with Blast Points. Perfect. Thank you, JJ Sack. Yeah. Thank you. This next one is titled Going in Order by Brave Dot. With two T's. Dot, dot, dot. I'm enjoying this podcast so much that I went back and I'm listening to all the shows in order. I'm enjoying hearing the guys speculate about how much screen time Bastan will get in Rogue One. <laughs> I still wonder. I don't know. At least once a week I think about, I wonder if there's more scenes with Bastan we just haven't seen. I can't Bastand it. <laughs> I stand Bastan. It never stops. It never ends. <laughs> What's our next one? The next one is Do You Like Star Wars by Comic Book Rundown. Why are you not already listening to this wonderful show? It's a good question. It is a good question. There's a lot of people out there, they like Star Wars, but are they listening to Blast Points? Maybe they did, and they did the Quest of the Jedi commentary. I hope so. I hope they did, too. <laughs> I hope so. And this, our last one is from all the way in the UK, and it is from Joe Dread sixty eight. And Joe Dread writes, "Great podcast for all things Star Wars. Jason and Gabe's love of Star Wars is readily apparent and infectious. Some great episodes featuring the Brian Daly radio series, Droids, The Mandalorian, and Jabba Palooza, to name a few. McClunky. Thank you." 
Some good, some good choices in there. Some really good choices. Jabba Palooza, droids. Probably yeah. talking about the droid pageant and uh, the Brian Daly radio series. Man, that was a good one. Yeah, some real good ones. Maybe he's talking about the droids comic or cartoon episodes. Could be. Maybe. Maybe we'll have more droids cartoon episodes coming up in the future. Who knows? We don't know. We we did twenty seven episodes just last month. <laughs> How many are we going to do this month? Nobody knows. Maybe we'll do 100 episodes in April. I don't know. It could happen. We'll see. You should leave us a review on Apple Podcasts when you are done listening. If you listen on some sort of Apple something, head over there, write something nice, and we'll read yours just like we read all of those. Thank you. 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 Hi, J.J. Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode Seven, thank you. These last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. website lastpointspodcast.com instagram twitter facebook and if you're on facebook sign up for our super chill group we're doing movie watching parties stay home movie watching parties every saturday night we just did episode four a new hope last weekend and this saturday the phantom menace episode one it's gonna be a good time (laughs) we're going to prequel era here we go get ready and if you want to support the show in a different way, we've got our Patreon, where every Saturday we've got our Clone Wars reviews episode. We're getting into the Siege of Mandalore is coming. We're coming to the final episodes of the Clone Wars ever. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm excited. It's going to be crazy. But that about wraps up episode number 214, The Phantom Toys. The epic continues. I hope you learned a little. I hope you laughed a little. Maybe you cried a little. Who knows? Hopefully you did all the above. (laughs) All at the same time. Yeah. But you'll be hearing from us again in just a couple days. We've got another bonus episode coming this week. So until then, thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Bye-bye, everybody. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.
let's get your opinion of these toys and also the movie. You saw Star Wars, I guess. I didn't see much of it, but I saw half of it at my friend's house. He has a he has a tape of it, but and they switched it to a um to another part of it, so I didn't get to see all of it. How about the toys? You still like playing with the toys? What do you do with them? <laughs> I really take care of them. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's a good way to get some more too. But uh, do you like make scenes up from the movie or something like that, or make up your own stories? Or I make up my own stories. And then use the figures, move them around. Have you seen any commercials for the new stuff that's coming out, the new Star Wars stuff? I saw a couple of things. What do you think? I think they're good. You think it might make it on your Christmas uh, request list? Mm-hmm. May the Force be with 